Alrighty then, we are in Ephesians, book of Ephesians, doing our verse by verse study through the book of Ephesians, and uh, last week um, we started and uh, first thing we did is we went back to look at who these people were that Paul is writing to in this letter, and we looked at uh, uh, Acts the 19th chapter and the 20th chapter, if you haven't had a chance to do that, let me encourage you. Uh, this week to go back and take a look at uh, who these people were and uh, some of the experiences that he had with them because it kind of shows a little bit about uh, who they were and where he's coming from. He's not writing to strangers. He's he's writing to people that he lived with for three years uh, very closely with and just had a phenomenal time. There was a great revival. Now the first thing that happened, uh, he came as it was his custom and he would go to the Jewish uh, synagogues. He'd always preach first to the Jews because he believed, uh, rightly so, that uh, God's promise of salvation was to the Jews first, as he spoke of later in his epistles. To the Jew first, he says, and then also to everybody else. Uh, the promises came through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. and, and uh, So he'd always start there, and by and large, they would throw him out, <laughs> and then he'd go to uh, the Gentiles. Uh, and phenomenal miracles that we read uh, in chapter 19 and 20 and uh, one one point even where the spirit of God was so strong on him that if, if he so much as laid his hands on cloths that if people who are sick touched the cloths they would be healed that's serious anointing when you can start splashing on stuff and the stuff still does miracles that's, that's pretty cool alright uh, uh, I don't have that going for me right now but <laughs> If I give you a cloth, it's pretty much a cloth. But uh, there was great, great power in this guy's life. It was, you know, phenomenal stuff. And uh, then he even talks about one time there was this huge riot. Remember, we read about that big riot where so many people were becoming Christians that the Ephesian uh, idol makers were all freaking out because they thought they were going to le- lose their, their business. People were stopping, to, stopping buying the little idols and going to the temple of Artemis and how these people went nuts and had this big riot and stuff. And he finally came through that and... Eventually, he left, telling him that he was going to go, and he knew by the Holy Spirit that he was going to go into prison. And that uh, he said, this will be the last time I ever see you, and they all cried. You remember that whole thing that we read? Uh, anyway, so anyway, he's writing from this circumstance now to them. He is in chains, he's uh, having his difficulties, and he's writing back to the Ephesians, trying to encourage them in their faith. Now, um, we read, let's, let's pick up at verse 9 and 10, just read that real quickly, we went through this last week, but it says, and he, meaning Jesus, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his, or, or God, he, God, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Everything centers around Christ. Everything was about Christ. And he talks about this mystery, this plan. And he keeps talking about this as we go on because he's trying to show these pagans, these heathens who had no reference of uh, Jewish faith or, or biblical background that this whole thing of Jesus coming as the Messiah was not a surprise. It wasn't all of a sudden one day God says, oh, I think I'll send the Messiah. All right? This was promised from the very beginning all the way back when Adam and Eve fell and God promised a path of redemption to them. Uh, the Jews knew this. They had been waiting 
for thousands of years waiting for the promise of God to come. Um, They even knew uh, about the time it should be happening. And they even knew where it was going to be happening. You remember the the uh, Christmas story when the uh, the wise men showed up and said, you know, we've seen the uh, Messiah's star. Do you know where he's going to be born? They said, yeah, he's going to be born over in Bethlehem. They all knew it. They didn't do anything about it. The religious people did nothing. I don't know what they were thinking, that they were too busy being religious or something. And then the wise men went and found the child and stuff. So they knew all about it for thousands and thousands of years. All of this had a plan from the beginning. But he's writing to people who have no point of reference. They have not a clue. And what he's trying to let them know is all of this stuff was planned from the beginning. None of this is a surprise. God knew this would happen. He knew you would be here. In fact, he knew you would be here tonight. He didn't go, wow, look who's in church. What a shock. All right? He knew you would be here. All of this was a plan and he's trying to let these people know that this is something that went back from the foundations of the earth. And I shared with you last week how I believe that this plan is really in the, we're in the middle of an intermission in eternity. That's my personal uh, viewpoint. We know that Satan had risen up against God and God had cast him uh, out of heaven with, with a third of the angels and everything's kind of in pause right now and God comes to earth and he creates all this life and creates man and woman and all this stuff is going on. Judgment day still has not come for Satan. It is coming. And uh, we're all going to be, everyone's going to be judged at some point. But this thing that happened is still yet to play out. All that's been established so far is God's bigger than everybody else. Because he flicked these guys out of heaven in the midst of their rebellion. And, uh, and he is settling the question forever that was raised, which I believe is this. Does God really love people? Does God really love his creation? Is God really concerned? And in the midst of this planet full of sin, God sends his only begotten son. God himself come, becomes flesh and then suffers on the cross and becomes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Forever demonstrating to all of eternity. See, I believe all of heaven is watching what's going on here. And he is being glorified in you. God wants to be glorified in you. He has a high motive to bless your life. He wants to see you succeed. Why? Because all of heaven is watching. And they're getting a chance to see what happens to people who walk in faith versus people who do not. And someday soon, I don't believe this is going to be drug out very much longer, even if it's a few more hundred years, it's not that much longer in terms of eternity. This is all coming to an end at some point. Jesus is coming back, kicking butt, it's going to be all over with. Alright? And then a new heaven, a new earth is all going to start over. All, all this is going to come to an end. And But what will have been demonstrated for this time is how much God loves and what he's willing to do and what lengths he's willing to go through to demonstrate his love to the universe. Alright, so anyway. So we're going to pick it up now in verse 11. This is where we left off. So he's talking to them continuing. He says, now in him, uh, Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Now, sometimes people misunderstand this verse, thinking that everything that happens is God's will. No, it's not. Not everything that happens is God's will. Okay, not everything that happens is even the devil. I dare say the bulk of what happens is you and people. Okay, we're just on the earth. And don't be a super spook. 
overly spiritualized people who spiritualize every little bump in the night. I have seen it. Oh my goodness. You have no idea what I've seen over the last 35 years. It's enough to make you go crazy. People acting goofy and all of a sudden a screen door will slam and they'll go, I think that was the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I kid you not. And you sit there and look at them like, what planet were you born on? I remember once I was was sitting in a a donut shop in... or was it Austin, Texas? And uh, these two ladies were talking, and uh, they they had seen me uh, in, a, in a music group that I was in. I said, "Oh, hi, hi, hi!" And they sat down and were talking, da 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 da, part of this revival meeting. And these two ladies start talking just bizarre goofiness, over spiritualized nonsense. How everything is, and then they start sharing as they're eating donuts this new revelation that fasting is really an attitude of the heart. And that one can actually eat and still fast at the same time. (laughs) And judging from the size of these two ladies, this was not a new revelation. (laughs) And and, but everything was just all these weird eyes. I said, oh come on you guys. This is ridiculous. You get over spiritualized everything. And, And I'm in this restaurant and it's freezing in there. You know, you ever go to the south? They talk about how wonderful it's how warm it is, and it is. But going to any place, it's colder than the coldest day in Wisconsin. You have the air conditioning on sub-zero. Thank good grief, come to Wisconsin, you get this for free. What's the matter with those people? It's supposed to be warm down there. So then I'm you know, just shivering in this stupid place, and I'm starting to talk to them. And all of a sudden, the one lady looks at me and goes, I just had a revelation. There's a demon sitting on your left shoulder and he's making you shake. And the going, of course, the more you tried not to shake, the more you kept shaking. I mean, this lady was like nuts. But everything is, not everything that happens is God. And not everything that happens is the devil. I shared with you Sunday, for those of you who are here, a story about one time that we'd lost this trailer. And the reason we lost this trailer is because I was an idiot. That's why. We didn't secure the thing. It wasn't the devil who made it happen. And it wasn't God's plan to show me something. Just I was just a moron. All right? But God loves us in spite of our stupidity. Somebody say, thank God. All right? Now, the good news is he is able to work out everything that happens to the conformity of his will. In other words, your stupidity is not going to stop God. It's God's will in your life. Isn't that good news? No matter what a moron you are, he can make it work out. He can take all the stuff that happened, stuff you didn't want to have happen, and stuff that you hoped wouldn't have happened, and da da da, and he still has a way of making everything conform to his plan and to his will. Wow. What an incredible God we have. So, yeah, give God a hand. Yes, God. So he says, he does this in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Now, just to give you a little bit of understanding here, and and this will sound kind of weird, but you just have to kind of understand 
these guys what, what they were going through at the time. The we that he's been talking about so far, all of this, it says, uh, you know, verse 3, who has blessed us with spiritual blessings. Verse 4, who chose us before the creation of the world. Uh, and 5, he predestined us to be adopted. On and on, all this us and we and we, all the people he's talking about are the early Jewish Christians. That's what he's talking about. We who first became born in Christ. Because he was so strong with these people to try and let them know he really truly believed salvation started first with the Jews as promised, as God promised through Abraham. But do not be despaired. Because then in verse 13 he says, and now you also were included in Christ. Yeehaw, that's where we get in. Okay? So, um, and, and, and as you read the epistle sometimes, you'll see this jumping between Judaism uh, and, and, and uh, Christianity, including everybody. And sometimes it can get a little confusing, but uh, that, that's what's going on. So we were also included, anybody who uh, heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So we have received a down payment. Uh, anybody have a King James Bible? Yeah, what does it say? Earnest? Does it say earnest? Yeah, earnest. It's like earnest money. It's like you ever buy a house and they give you earnest money? Okay. The, the reason for the earnest money is to see if you're legit. If you're for real. If the promise is for real. I want to buy your house. Really? Yeah. Give me some earnest money. Well, I don't know if I want to do that yet. Well, then you're full of baloney. All right? So, how do you know that heaven is real? How can you be sure that all of this stuff is legit? And what Paul is saying is that presence of the Holy Spirit, that presence of God that you feel inside of you, that peace that comes over you when you worship, when we're just singing songs, this love of God that exists inside of you, dude, that is your down payment. That is your guarantee that someday you will be part of Christ's glory in heaven. That is pretty cool. You can't make this stuff up on the inside. You can't chant your way into it. You can't meditate your peace into it. You can't buy your way into it. You can't be good enough into it. It only comes through faith in Christ. And when you truly experience faith in Christ, and you are, as Jesus said, born again by the Spirit of God, something happens on the inside of you. And it's not like, you know, dee 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 goes off or anything, you know. But it's it's like, oh, for some people it's like that, you know. I mean, some people just feel like a... a ton of weight gets lifted off their shoulders some people it's very dramatic some people just they'll describe it as just this this warm sensation that they have you know um uh john wesley y'all ever heard of john wesley started the methodist church phenomenal guy he had been a minister and an evangelist and a missionary in america uh studied prayed was disciplined was up at four o'clock every morning preaching and i mean this guy was unbelievable and and then he got saved it's, it's an unbelievable story. He did all this religious stuff, but he had never truly been born again. He had never truly experienced faith in his life. And one day he's, read, he's listening to a sermon that was being read. It was one of Martin Luther's sermons about faith. And he says, something clicked in him. And he says, I felt my heart strangely warmed 
That's what he said. It wasn't, you know, some incredible mind-blowing experience. He didn't start hallucinating or anything. He felt his heart strangely warm. And this guy went out and changed history at that time. An incredible revival that happened all throughout uh, England and affected uh, Europe and all around the world through this guy's incredible ministry once he truly was born again. This wonderful sense, this peace. That sometimes, you know... um, you, you get in, in the dark, you know what I'm talking about, where you don't feel anything and you get discouraged. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody been there? Or was, am I the only sinner in the crowd? All right, okay. You know what I'm saying? But, but let me encourage you. Never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. Okay? And this peace and this wonderful thing. And then when you come through times when everything just feels like that. You ever feel like that? Actually, I felt like that all day long. <laughs> I, I didn't even want to come to church tonight. I felt horrible. I did, I did. I'm feeling better watching your smiling faces. But I mean, you know, you have days. Sometimes things are great, some things are lousy, it doesn't matter. But once we, we know that we know God because we have sensed his presence. And this presence, he doesn't just give to people haphazardly. He gives to you in faith. And this Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is the down payment. It is the earnest money. It is the guarantee that you are part of the kingdom of God. And when the devil comes in and discourages you and says, Yeah, you're not going to heaven. You're going to go to hell. You don't, you're a hypocrite. You don't pray. Blah, blah, blah. Just tell him to shut up and go away. Because it's not about you. It's about him. And if you have this here, it is your guarantee. It is your down payment. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't that cool? I mean, it's like, you know, really, this, this is what's on the end. When you get to heaven, say, well, uh, how do you get through the pearly gates? Well, I don't know if there's actually going to be a line that we have to get through or stuff like that. But man, I'm handing them the down payment when I show Why should you get in here? I got the down payment right here. Here we go. Christ in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, very, very cool stuff. Okay, so for this reason, he goes on in verse 15. What reason? This reason that we all get in on this deal, which is really the remarkable thing. This is the thing that would make the Jews of the time hate Paul and started hating Christianity. Yeah, remember, in the beginning, all the early Christians were Jewish. This was not even a question. In fact, they didn't think you could even be a Christian if you weren't Jewish. So anyway, God reveals to them that it's, this is now for everybody. So they go start preaching the gospel to everybody. And what ticked the Jews off is that they were letting everybody in. That's why they couldn't stand the Christian message. Because they had become so segregated in their thinking. That we are so special. And they were special. God, uh, and, and continues to be. That God's chosen people. These are serious promises that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob way back when. And God still has his hand on this nation. But they, for the most part, rejected the idea of letting everybody else in. It was the fact that you and I get in that ticked him off. Well, the fact that they didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah so much. It was the fact that they were letting all these Gentiles, these non-Jews in. It was a major sticking point back then. So anyway, Paul says, this is great. You get in, and the way we know that you get in is you have received this down payment, this earnestness, the presence of God stamped on the inside of you. For this reason, he says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, not to create a firestorm here, but when it talks about saints, it's not talking a bunch of dead people that you're praying to. Are you hearing me? That idea came hundreds of years later for whatever reason. Saints is basically a term they use for Christians, believers, believers, saints, whatever. You are all saints if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, 
Some people think that saints are only a special group of people that get special saint, you know, deal or whatever. Obviously, there's people who think otherwise. We're not going to fight about it. But this love for Jesus and for the saints wasn't for Jesus and some hierarchical deal in heaven. It was for Jesus and all the believers. Okay? Deal with it. Moving on. Verse 16. He says, since I've heard about this, I have not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. So Paul is constantly praying for these people. He loves these people. He knew them very, very, very well. I've been with them for three years. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Everybody say wisdom and revelation. What? So that you may know him better. So that you can know him better. And I'll tell you, this is a great prayer to pray for yourself. God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Help me to see. I I really believe that most believers are like newborn puppies. Have you seen puppies when they're born? What's with their eyes? They're closed. They're puppies. Okay, but they can't see anything yet. They can't see anything yet. They don't really know what's out there. And so I believe many many believers, we're kind of like puppies and we don't quite get it. We don't get what has happened. When you come to Christ and you have faith in Christ, there is a miracle that happens that you have yet, I believe all of us have yet to really comprehend. It, it, is, it is the saddest thing uh, that so many people have so much going for them, but yet are completely clueless about it. Why? Because we stay kind of like these puppies and we don't get our eyes open. He says, I pray for you and pray for yourself. God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Help me to see so I can know you better. Help me to see what is going on in my life. Help me to see what's happening. Help me to see who I am in Christ. You're in Christ. Paul is teaching about this. You belong to something powerful and incredible. You say, well, I don't feel that. Yeah, well, it's not based on your feelings. That's what happens. We don't feel it, so we just... We need to live by what we believe, not by what we feel. Somebody say amen. Okay. I pray also, he says, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Here again, opening of the eyes. Why? In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, meaning believers, and his incomparably great power for people who are very spiritual. Great power for people who go to church every day. Great power for for those who are a lot holier than everybody else. No, incomparably great power for who? Us who believe. Incomparable power for those of us who believe. We've been born again. We believe there is great power at our disposal. We just have yet to plug into the wall. You know what I'm saying? Or if we plug into the wall, we forget to turn the lights on. And he says, man, we need to see this stuff. He says, power, great power. What kind of power? Just like, you know, just what, you know, this isn't girly man power. He says, it's that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. We're talking serious juice here. 
Okay? When God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, this is the same kind of current that you and I can plug into. The problem is we just don't see it. We don't get it. And we pray. And I pray. I say, Lord, open. And I pray for you guys. Say, God, open our eyes. Help us to see who we are. Help us to see what we're capable of. And not what we're capable of, what God is capable of in us. Wow. So this is the power that he used when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. When God raised Jesus and made him king of kings and lord of lords, there is no higher title than that. And God placed all things under his feet, talking about Jesus, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Again, it's all about Christ. All of this is about Christ. He goes on to say in chapter 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Everybody say, was dead. You're not dead anymore. You might feel dead. You might act dead. Some of you look dead. But you're not dead anymore. Not dead in sin. See, a lot of us think, you know, we hear about all this great stuff that we just read and go, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a nothing. I'm just this, I'm just this bag, you know. I'm just a, this ball of lint that God rolls around on the dirt, you know. I just, I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. Don't think like that. You were like that. We aren't like that anymore. If we're truly walking in God, in what God wants. He says, we were dead in transgressions and sins, in which he says you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Who is that? The devil. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, he said, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Now notice he's talking past tense. Not that you still won't be tempted by these desires and cravings. But as believers, we're not to walk in that stuff anymore. The main reason so many people, believers, stay like blinded puppies in their faith and struggle is because they continue to act and live in the cravings of the sinful nature. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. Why is that significant? Because of all these sins, he should have squished us like a bug. Right? God would be happy that I am not God. I'd kill most of you right away. Yes, because I'm irritated. All right? God, who has the right, because of our sins and our transgressions and, and the way we used to live in our sinful nature and, and the desires and the lusts and the anger and the bitterness, had every right to just go. But no, he's full, rich in mercy. Instead, he does what? In verse 5, he made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions. I mean, what a miracle this is. God took us 
at our worst. And I love it. I think it's in uh, 1 Corinthians somewhere where Paul says, look around. Look at yourselves. Look at the people who come to church. He says, there's usually not very mighty, many mighty, not many noble, not really powerful, really significant people as far as the world standards. Who are we? We are a ragtag army of people who were just flat out sinful people. And God is getting so much glory because he wants to take this ragtag army and turn it into something glorious. God wants to turn your life into something so beautiful you won't even understand it. That's what he wants to do. He truly does. You know, at least you're here tonight getting into the word and learning and growing in these things. Most people, they just, they just, they don't get it, you know. They, they don't want more of God. They don't want to grow in their faith, sadly. I mean, we got to love them. People are in all sorts of different stages, so don't condemn them. But we need to try and encourage people to grow in their faith. We need to challenge each other to grow in their faith. The Bible says we should provoke one another to love and good works. Sadly, most of us, we just do the first part of that verse. We provoke one another. We're not just to provoke each other and irritate each other. So we provoke each other to doing good things. So we can grow in our faith. Take, a live, take, take part in all of this. So he made us alive in Christ even when we were a bunch of rotten, 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 rotten people. Dead in transgressions. He says, it is by grace that you have been saved. You didn't earn this. You couldn't buy it. There was nothing you could do. You just trusted Christ. And gave your life to him and asked him to forgive you of your sins. And this God who is rich in mercy, he wants to forgive people. He wants to forgive people. Wow. Anyway, he says, and then God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at this. He says that in a spiritual sense, you've already been lifted up with Christ in the heavens. He said, man, I don't feel like that. It doesn't matter what you feel like. You are something in the kingdom of God. Remember what we talked about last week. You know, the angels actually look at believers and envy them because of the position we have. Most of us will think, man, I'll trade with an angel in a heartbeat. Most angels will go, I'll trade with them in a heartbeat. We don't understand the status. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, God lifts you up in this level as a joint heir with Christ. You're, you're, not that you're Christ, but this, this level of being uh, brothers and sisters of, of Christ is way above angel status. I know it's hard to comprehend because, you know, if you've had my last few days, it's really hard to comprehend because sometimes life just really sucks. It just does. And sometimes it's just because we're idiots. And sometimes it's all our own fault. But even in the midst of struggling in this life, we have been lifted up into a position in eternity that we still don't get because we're still like this. And we know something's cool. We're alive and we're eating dog food and it's cool. And, and, but, but our eyes just aren't open. I need to pray. God help us to see. Wow. All of this. Why is he doing this? In order that, in verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressing the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That's what I was talking to you about last week. Why are we here? Why is this happening? So that in the ages, never, ever, ever, ever 
again, I believe, will there ever be another rebellion in heaven like what happened with Satan. This is no small insignificant event in eternity. I don't know how many gazillions of years this went on. But for Satan to come along and convince a third of angels who were with God. I mean, fooling us is one thing. We're a bunch of nitwits. But angels who are with God to convince a third of them to rebel against God. What? We're talking a serious rift in eternity. I believe never, ever, ever, ever again will that ever occur. Because if there's ever a doubt as to God's loving care and compassion, of God's willingness to sacrifice, of God's willingness to lift up the most lowly to the most high position, all they'll ever have to do is turn and look at you and me as we're in heaven. And we'll all be going, I don't know, I'm surprised we even got here. You know. (laughs) And they will say, man, if those nitwits made it, wow. To be dead in sin and to be lifted up into the heavenly places. Co-heirs with Christ. Holy stinking cow. (laughs) This is no small deal. This is huge. Wow. Oh, I, I just I should just give myself a swirly for letting the last few days rattle me. I just <laughs> you know a swirly is, right? <laughs> Ask somebody. Anyway, okay. Because when you when you realize, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, what God is doing with us. Amazing. All of this in order that in the coming ages, the coming ages, all I talked about last week. For the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us. Wow. He says, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. No kidding. You know, I don't know. I mean, some people, they think they're so holy that they, they should earn this. I, I never had that problem. I knew I was a sinner. He says, this is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. No one's going to be able to say, yep, 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 look at me, yep, I got here because I, I went to church every Sunday. I was really holy, really good guy. Nobody, nobody, we're, I'm telling you, we're all going to be just there amazed that we're there. Say, I hope I can make it. Of course you can, why? Because you've got the down payment now. <laughs> so cool stuff. Anyway, okay. We for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now check this out. We we studied. We just finished studying the book. How's my time? Am I doing pretty good? Okay, running out of time. We studied in the book of James this whole thing about well, is it great? Is it by faith or is it by what you do? Is it by faith? And and he and he talked about this fight. Well, well look at Paul. He says it's by grace that you've been saved, not by what you do. But now that you've been saved, God created you to do things. Now we should be doing stuff. We should be the most kind, loving, compassionate, sacrificing people on the planet as believers of Jesus Christ. This is who we should be. Does this earn us righteousness with God? No. There's nothing you can do. It's all Him. 
complete surrender. But because of what he has done, he has created us now to turn and be kind to others. Jesus said, freely have you have received, now freely give. Freely give to others. Splash this stuff around. Just splash in the pool. Anybody gets near us, man, we ought to just be splashing grace all over them. Just splash the love of God all over them. They don't want to get wet. They just got to stay far away from us. Because we just going to splash them. No, let them get real close. And then splash them. (laughs) Which is not bad advice, actually. Some of us are such big splashers, they all stay far away. (laughs) You know, Bible says be wise as serpents. Serpents are sneaky little rats. We're supposed to be smart like that. Sneak them in, get him close, and then splash all over them. <laughs> it's cool stuff. Honestly, people, you've got to win people to yourself before you ever win them to Jesus. If people can't stand you, they ain't going to listen to what you got to say. Does anybody get that? We've got to be nice. We've got to be nice. We've got to love people so people say, I would like to have what you have. What is it you have? What is it you have? You know, I walk into a store and, and I'm smiling and the lady behind the counter says, man, what have you been smoking? <laughs> then I splash on her. <laughs> oh, this is great stuff. I'd rather be saved than chew tobacco. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Anyway... Um, <laughs> where am I? Verse 11. Okay. Therefore, 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 therefore. Whenever you see a therefore, you got to ask yourself what it's there for. Okay. All the stuff that we're talking about, all the stuff that God has planned for us. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised. Remember, there, there's a real schism there that was, we don't. It's hard for us to kind of relate to it because we don't have that today. After 2,000 years of Christianity, I think it's pretty much been established. Anybody who wants to get saved can get saved. Right? We don't say, gee, just the Puerto Ricans can be saved. Okay. Or just the blacks can be saved. Or just the whites can be saved. Or just, you know, we pretty much get this. It's not just Jewish or this or that. So, but, but this was a big deal back then. And, and they, were, they were dealing with this. He says, so remember that formerly you who were Gentiles... And that was anybody who's not a Jew was a Gentile by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. These were the people, oh, I'm part of the circumcision. We are, we are the Jewish believers. Okay. And, 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 and remember, the, the, the deal was here that these Jewish guys, they were cool to a degree with non-Jews becoming Christians, but then they wanted them to become Jews. And, and what ticked them off is when they said, no, they don't have to do all that. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to obey all the rules of the Old Testament laws. And uh, that's what ticked them off. So anyway, the circumcision that done in the body by the hands of men. Yeah, Paul, we know what that is. Uh, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ when you were just a Gentile. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. This promise, what promise? This, this glorious plan that's been out there from the beginning. 
you were complete foreigners to that. Uh, these people had never heard of anything. I mean, they, these guys grew up believing in Zeus and, you know, Hercules and all kinds of weird gods and all bizarre things. And, you know, great as Artemis of the Ephesians or whatever her name was. And, you know, they, these people had no clue. But this wonderful promise has been from the beginning. You used to be foreigners. You were outside of this without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, far away, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What two? He's talking about the Jew and the believing Gentile. And he says, this was all part of God's plan. And now he has busted down this wall. So that we who are now two are one. Which is our viewpoint today. But again, it was pretty radical to them. But I do want to talk. We'll pick it up again next week. But talk about what this means. This whole idea of, of us now being part of this incredible covenant. And, and how all of this affects us. So, are you learning anything as this is good stuff, isn't it? Verse by verse, going through the word. All right. Pastor Lathan.